Well, moms, we just want you to know, we want you to remember that you are enough and that God is more than enough for everything that we need. I know that there are days like Mother's Day, Father's Day, there's other times in the year that you kind of take a little bit of a step back and you, you think about, you know, the things that I wish that I could do or had done. And maybe, maybe some of us feel that way right now. We, you know, I wish I, you know, could be or have been or had been a better parent. You know, sometimes those negative thoughts can take over a little bit. I know I've got, I've got one today. I, I, if I could just, what I would give, if I could just rewind the tape a little bit, if I could just go back and put $1,000 on Rich Strike. <laughs> I've got so many regrets today. <laughs> but maybe you don't. And if you don't, I'd love to talk to you after we're going to be, uh, we've got an offering box out in the lobby as you leave today. But uh, we're, we're glad you're here. Now, I love the line in that song, when did, I, when did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? I, I try to take life back right out of the hands of the king of the world. And one thing that I know, not just about moms, I'm not, I'm not picking on moms, but I know this about all of us, is that it can be a real struggle to know that we're enough. And that in, in God's eyes and in, in the hands of, of an all-powerful God, he, we have everything that we need. To, to live the lives that he's called us to live and he's but, but how is it how, how can we balance the tension between being a saint which which just means to be a follower of God that's it, nothing more you know we, we kind of we take the word saint and we think that that means perfection it doesn't it's always meant throughout scripture in a saint is a person who follows God so that's that's us but how do I balance that tension between being a follower of God, but also I, I deal with real struggles. And you know, we talk a lot about grace, but the hardest person in the world to show grace to is yourself, isn't it? This is my challenge to you, that we would be a people, as, we're in, as we are empowered by God, that we would be able to choose what is important over what's urgent. Now you hear that and you think, well, wait a minute, isn't, isn't urgent important? I want, us to, I want us to see a distinction today between the two of those things. If your car blows up because you didn't put oil in it, getting that car repaired and back on the road is urgent, right? But getting the oil changed and making sure that it's maintained, that's important. You see the difference there. Uh, if, if you're a manager or a business owner, and for you, dealing with an angry customer or dealing with disgruntled employees, that's urgent. But doing the work to put the systems in place so that you don't have angry customers, or at least you minimize it, and you don't have disgruntled employees, that's important. If something's wrong with your health and the, the old bodies fall apart, getting into the doctor, that's urgent. But... Eating healthy, getting enough exercise, making sure you get enough rest, those things, that's important. You, you see the distinction there. And what we need to focus on is choosing what's important over what's urgent. And it's been said that you, if you, when you choose to focus on what's important, you, you won't have to deal with as many urgent things. But the opposite is never true. We're going to take a look at a uh, passage of scripture today. I may have my microphone a little close to my face. Is that, uh, am I too loud out there for you guys? Good? Okay. All right. But we're going we're to take a look at a passage of scripture in the book of Luke. And we're going to see an interaction 
that Jesus has with two sisters named Mary and Martha. And they are sisters of, of a really great friend of Jesus named Lazarus. Maybe you've heard of him. But uh, we're going to look at Martha who does what so many of us do. She's overwhelmed by the urgent. And she misses the important. In Luke chapter 10 verse 38 it says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, we're just going to have to stop right there. This first verse, there's, there's, uh, this brings up something that we all deal with uh, to one degree or another. You, you know the feeling that you get when you've got company coming over? And maybe it's not just any company, but if you've got important company coming over, or somebody that you really want to make sure that, hey, we, we want to be presentable here. You know, we, we don't want them coming into this mess. And for some of us, I know, and maybe for some of you out there, you, you kind of have that natural gift. You love to host people. And maybe you got the gift of hospitality. You just love that. And your house is always in a constant state of readiness for company. God bless you. But I'm going to be honest, the rest of us, we think you're nuts. And we don't know how you do it. We don't even want to know how you do it, but good for you, and, and we, we love you. But, but for the rest of us in the room, it gives us a, a level of anxiety just thinking about having company come over. Because I'm thinking about what toys did the kids leave out? What did, did, I, did, I, did I pick the towels off the bathroom floor? You know, have, we, have, we, have we vacuumed this month? I, I, I don't remember. I can't remember what we've done. You know? and, and you've got to get the house ready. If you're cooking a meal, that's even, that even ratchets it up even more. Now I've got company coming over, and I have to feed them. So now it's got to you know, wow them. I can't just go to McDonald's and grab a few things. There's got to be a good meal. And, and let me tell you, I'm going to tell you about how sick, you know, John was just here, and he did it in his nice little spiritual way. Can I just be real with you? I'm going to tell you how sick and twisted of a person I am. This isn't about being real. This is I'm a mess in progress. So Megan and I, and I'm not, I'm not telling on Megan, this is, both of us do this, this is why we're married and we get along so well. Uh, we, we, we're, we're really blessed. We have a sweet lady that uh, comes and cleans our house every other week. And you know, we both work full time and we've got three kids and so the house can get crazy in a short amount of time. And so we've kind of given up some other things so that we can have like this little luxury okay and that i mean it is it's totally bougie you know whatever but that just is what it is it's like we we, we gotta have this one thing and uh and so it's 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 awesome but this is how sick we are okay the day before the cleaning lady comes to clean our house guess what we're doing <laughs> we're cleaning the doggone the doggone house and and, and, and this is what's the problem is, I'm thinking, why do we do this? Because God forbid the cleaning lady, who we pay, by the way, might come in and see that our house needs to be clean. Can you imagine anything worse than that? And so, why, why am I telling you all this? Because it's cheaper than therapy, okay? I just got to get it off my chest. Sick. But Martha is, is concerned with having everything ready that day. Jesus is coming over. This is a big deal. And so she's got to prep everything. And verse 39 says that her sister, Mary, 
She's doing something interesting. Instead of helping with the meal and getting everything together, it says that she sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. She's in the right place. She's in the right place. But the next verse says that Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And so she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? I mean, she's got a little attitude there. You can kind of hear that coming out. Tell her to come help me. So she's a little tattletale right now. You know, why isn't she helping? Does not, doesn't that seem a little bit unfair that I have to do all of this? And she's having a little fit. Running around like a chicken with her head cut off. You know, trying to get everything prepped. Jesus, don't you think Mary should get over here? Shouldn't she have a role in this? Can't I get a little bit of, you know, throw me a bone? And that line in verse 40 is so important, we can't miss it. It says that Martha was distracted by this, by this dinner. I wonder how many of you have been distracted from what is most important. We're thinking about, you know, we're thinking about Maybe, maybe, maybe about what may be coming around the corner. I'm a little bit worried about the future. Or I'm thinking about things at work. You know, even now, even as you're sitting here in this moment right now, you find yourself kind of divided because you, you, have, you have trouble focusing a little bit. And you're like, well, what did he say? You're missing, you're missing about every five words I say. And then you kind of catch up because you're, you're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking, and you're distracted, and your, your mind is all over the place because we're so worried. You know, they say, what is it, like 95% of the things we worry about never come to fruition. We just spend all that time being worried or being distracted or thinking about these small, minute things. I wonder how many of us, including myself, we have been faithfully pursuing the urgent and neglecting what's most important. Many of you know this, some, some may not, uh, but our, our church uh, is run by, by our staff. We have a wonderful staff here. So, so blessed, so grateful for the team I get to work with. Uh, and they oversee different ministries in the church. And we've got a ton of great volunteer leaders that just keep this place on mission. And we've got a group of, of men known, known as the elders that basically are the ones in charge of making, you know, protecting the spiritual health. Of this place, making sure that we're on mission, that you know that we're we're not getting off track. I mean, we focus on praying for the church and setting healthy policies, things like that. And it's been said that the, the role of the elders is to lead, feed, and intercede. Lead people, uh, feed, you know, teach, teaching, and interceding in prayer. And we were having an elders meeting a few days ago, and so I was I was bringing up a bunch of stuff. A lot of things that have been on my mind, you know, that I've been thinking about and thinking through and opportunities ahead of us. A lot of stuff on my brain. And so we're, we're meeting. And at one point, one of the guys said, you know, this is, this is all good stuff. But we really don't need to be, we really don't need to be spending time you know, on this stuff because it's not really connected to the spiritual needs of the church. And I thought, he's right. He, he's right. And I'm distracted by these urgent things that I'm not focused on. Maybe I'm missing some important things. And this is a question that, as, as I do some soul searching of myself, you know, I'd like for you to do a little soul searching too and, and really wrestle with this question 
a little bit. Get honest about it. What is the most important thing that you've been distracted from pursuing? Where are you getting tripped up? What are, what are those important moments, those Im- the really important things in life that you, you're just not making a lot of time for because it's always putting out fires somewhere else? Let that question settle for a moment because some of us, if we're honest, we would say, you know, I have absolutely been neglecting time with the Lord. I have not spent hardly any time in prayer, very little time in God's Word. Um, some of us would say, you know, I have been so busy doing things for my children that I'm not investing in my children. And there is a difference. You can have your kid in every activity under the sun and be running them from point A to point B to point C all day long until you've pulled your hair out. But, but we can neglect helping them to mature and to grow in their faith and to become the men and women that God has created them to be. And we do it all in the name of busyness. I'm doing it for the kids. I'm doing it for the, we're doing all these things for the kids, but we haven't invested in the kids. It's easy for us to do that in our, our marriages. We do it with our health. We do it with our, our finances, our mental and our emotional health. We wait until things are falling apart, and, and, and then we'll maybe take some action. Rather than focusing on the important things, putting things in place that are helping me get to the place that I, I want to be. And often we, we do that because we're so distracted. You look at verse 40 again. It says that Martha, she's distracted by the big dinner. She's so focused on that. That's all she can think about. That is the most, that is the center of her universe right now. She was distracted. And that word, other translations say she was worried and upset. It means divided. It's like she was being pulled apart. Like being pulled in all these direction, different directions. We would say, you know, it's like I'm, I'm just falling to pieces. That was the emotion she had. That's what she was experiencing at this moment. She's going all over the place. And then this is what happens. I mean, this is what I love about reading God's Word because it's not just, it's not just an ancient text that we can't relate to. But this is, the story, this is God's story of what he's done in our world and the lives of real people. And, you know, one thing I know about people is we just don't change all that much. we got the same kind of hang-ups. we got the same kind of, we wrestle with the same kind of things as people did a couple thousand years ago. And this is what happens with Martha. She goes from being fallen to pieces, pulled in all these different directions. I'm distracted. I'm divided. And then it turns to anger, which is exactly what we do. I'm all over the place, and it's just not, things aren't going the way I want them to go. She gets angry with her sister. She says, Jesus, look, I'm here serving you. She spiritualizes it, over-spiritualizes it. I'm actually doing something for you. I'm trying to get this together, and my sister won't help. Tell her to help me. But here's, here's the thing. Was she really serving him? Was she really serving Jesus? In this moment, because I've known people my whole life just like Martha, and they have a very specific idea of how they want something to be. I might call it being a little bit controlling, maybe a control freak, but this is my vision for this dinner, and I'm going to work myself into a frenzy to make sure that it is exactly 
that it meets the level of the expectation that I have worked up in my head. It has to look like something that Joanna Gaines would put together. So I've folded the napkins. We have shiplap for some reason. There is, you know, I, I, I pulled out the cookbooks that haven't been used for, you know, but I got to make the stuff, the little croquettes or whatever the things that people, we don't, I don't even know what's in them, but they got to eat them for some reason. You got all the stuff and the forks and the spoons and everything's got to be laid out just exactly right. This is my vision. And when it does not live up to my expectations, I will be angry and disappointed. Where does that come from? Maybe, maybe it comes from not feeling like we're enough. Maybe it's uh, struggling with contentment. And I don't mean to just pick on, you know, if you're prepping for a meal. You can apply that to about anything, guys. You think about your routines in our lives, in our, in our careers, in our social lives, whatever. That we want to be able to control and manipulate and we want things to be a certain way and they're supposed to go in this order and when they don't, it just, it just messes me up. And it's easy to spiritualize it. That's what Martha does. In her world, this meal, this moment, this is the most spiritual thing going on in the world right now, in her mind. This is the most important thing. Martha was so busy preparing for the moment that she missed the moment. She was so busy preparing for the moment that she missed the moment. You know, Jesus does not require that we work our tail off for him without a relationship. Maybe, maybe Martha's heart to serve really got a little polluted with her desire to, to be a control freak. She had this strong desire to, to control. And she, she wanted what she wanted, and she wanted the perfect meal, and she wanted the perfect dinner. She wanted the perfect experience for Jesus. So was it really all for him, or was it a little bit for her? Was it kind of what she wanted? Who was she trying to impress? Because here's the struggle, and, and I, have this, I have this struggle too. You think, well, when I, when I am hosting somebody, you know, I, I want to you know, show some hospitality. And maybe even I'm doing it, I'm doing it in the name of the Lord. I'm going to have people over to the house, and I want to show them that I care and that you know, this, is, this is what it's all about. And I, but I have to do all these things because I have to serve them. You think, I have to serve them. It's, it's got to be perfect because I've got to serve them. But think about this. No one comes over to your house. Nobody, and I mean nobody. No one comes to your house because they want to be served. Why do they come to your house? For the relationship. It's for the connection. It's not because I, they show up and, hey, uh, would you take my coat? Are you going to, are you going to, you know... Help me get in my, are you going to scoot the chair out for me? Put the, lay the napkin on my lap. What, what is this? Like, come on. I thought this was a fancy place. It's not about the being served. It's about the relationship. But it was Martha's desire to control that in getting what she wanted, the experience that she thought was best, it drew her away from what was most important. Jesus, you've got to remember, Jesus was right there. He was in the house. I mean, how do you miss that? She missed it. And that's why Jesus says these next words in verse 41. Said, Martha said, hey, tell my sister to come help me. 
And he said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. That, for some of us, that should be a life verse. That's one, if you're going to get a tattoo, there it is. Luke 10, 41. Write it on your forehead so you'll never forget it. You know, you're worried over all these little details. You were freaked out about the groceries and the diapers and getting the overtime and, 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 and putting in more time at work, the promotion or the way that the person responded to my text message. And I don't know what they meant by that. And so you're sitting here right now, you're thinking and thinking and thinking about that. And you can't get past that. You're just freaked out. Jesus said, whoa, let's slow down a minute. You're, you're, you're thinking about all these small things and that's where you're living right now. Step back. Calm down. And he says in verse 42, there's only one thing. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary discovered it. And it is not going to be taken away from her. What has Mary done? She, remember, if you remember, she says she was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his teaching. She made a choice. She knew that Martha was working on dinner. She knew that Martha was running around, chasing her tail. She knew all that, and yet she made a decision. And listen, if we're not intentional about this, I promise you that the urgent will crowd out the important. We will get so focused on putting out fires and running around and got to have everything just exactly the way that I want it. We, will, we, we have a choice. We make choices. Our life is a product of, I mean, that, you choose the life that you have. That's what our life is. And, and we, we have time for what we choose to have time for. See, that's a big lie that we all keep kind of propagating. Is that there's never any time. There's never any time. I don't have any time. I'm all out of time. We know that's not true, right? Like we, we're on the same page here. You got time for what you choose to have time for. If we take one look at your calendar, we'll find out real quick. You got time. It's just, what are you spending it on? I, I heard a quote this past week that was so simple, but man, it just hit me. I mean, right between the eyes. It said, we are as close to God as we want to be. People say, oh, no, no I, I wish I was closer to God. Oh, I really, really wish I was closer to God. Oh, I just, uh, you, no, you are as close in your walk with God as you want to be. Why? Because that's the time you've made for it. You, you've, you've made choices. I've made choices. We've all, we've all made choices. And we say, I wish I were more like this. I wish I had a stronger faith. You're as close to God as you want to be. And I, So what I want to do in the, the little bit of time that I've got left, I want to give you three quick tips that I, I, I learned this past week. These are not original to me. It's just things I've heard through practical leadership uh, stuff. But I didn't want to just leave us hanging in the struggle. Like, yep, we all make choices, and, you know, this is the problem that we have, so go fix it. I want to give us something like, okay, what do, what do I do with that? So hopefully these kind of help us get to a little better place. Uh, these won't be on the screen, so if you're taking notes on your phone or whatever, I'll give them to you, and I uh, hope, hope you can remember these. How do you choose the important? Number one, set artificial deadlines. This is a great leadership practical leadership tip set artificial deadlines what is that it's just exactly what it sounds like it's a deadline that's not actually the real deadline it's one that i've put in place for myself and it helps you to take back your schedule and to focus on the important for example 
One of the most important things that I do in my job, you know, I really love when people come up and they say to me, hey, <laughs> must be nice to work one day a week. I'm like, must be nice for me not to smack you on the face right now. <laughs> There's a lot that I do that you don't see. What you see right now is the tip of the iceberg. But the tip of the iceberg is probably the most important part of the iceberg. I mean, it's important, right? But this is, this is a big part of, of my job. When is my message due? Technically, it is due at 9.51 a.m. on Sunday morning. Because we have a service schedule. We, we write things out to the minute. We know how long every song takes. We know how long every you know, communion and announcements. We know how long all those things take. And I know that I'm supposed to be up on this stage at 9.51 in this service. Technically, that's when my message is not finished until I'm here delivering it. When is my actual deadline? Wednesday at noon. Wednesday at noon. Uh, and, and that changes my entire week. When I stick to that deadline, when I force myself to do that, it frees me up. Because there's a lot of other important things that I, that I need to do. But if I left my message hanging out there, and I, I speak from experience because I did this for a long time. Just kind of leave it out there and like, well, I really don't need to get around to it. You know, I'll finish it up on Saturday night. When I do that, I never get anything completely done. And guess what? I've, I've, I'm kind of a mess because I feel like i got this dead goose hanging around my neck. And this all changed for me several years ago. I was talking to a, another local minister. I'm not going to tell you who it was. Even if you ask me, I'm going to lie. I'm not, not going to tell you who it was. But I was talking to another local minister who was near retirement age. And he called me on a Saturday night to, to tell me something. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, hey, how are you? You know, what are you doing? And he says, oh, I'm just sitting here working on my message, and I, and I laughed and said, yeah, me too, and he said, boy, I just hate this, don't you just hate it, this is just so terrible, isn't it, just every Saturday night, it's just ruined, and I thought to myself, this guy is 30 years down the road from me, I don't want to live like this, <laughs> I don't want this to be the next 30 years, and I'm still doing this, I got to make a change, and so I started setting artificial deadlines, and, 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 I feel, and when I can do that, Man, I feel like I'm firing all cylinders. Changes the whole week. And so for you, as you look at your schedule, there are things that you have to do. You've got to get them done. But you and I both know that it's easy to drag those things out and stretch it a little bit. And, well, I don't just pacing myself here. And you can drag it all the way out to Friday. And it just swallows up all of that time. But if you start setting those artificial deadlines, it'll cause you to be more efficient, better prepared, and it'll give you more time to focus on the important things, like your relationship with God and with your family. So when you're with your family, you're actually with your family. You're not just a warm body that happens to be in the same place as your family. But you're, you're there. Here's another practical thing. Be selective to what you say yes to. Be selective to what you say yes to. You do not have to say yes to everything. Say, oh, I know that. Yeah, then why do we keep doing it? Why do we keep saying yes? Don't let good get in the way of great. Don't let good get in the way of best. The best leaders. People, people look at certain leaders and say, man, I just don't know how they do it all. You know what? They don't. They don't do it all. They've learned a magical little phrase called delegation. They don't, do, they don't do it all. The best leaders, they don't do more. They do more of what matters the most. The best moms, they don't do it all. But they do more of what matters most. The best teachers, 
They don't do more, but they invest their energy in more of what matters most. The best business leaders, they don't do more. They do more of what is really matter, matters the most. The best and most effective followers of, of Jesus, they, they, don't, they don't do more and more and more and more, but they do more of what brings glory to God. And here's the third little practical thing, is do what matters most first. What, what's most important? What's the most important thing? Do that thing first. Do what matters most first. How many times do we say, oh, I wish I had time for that? Or you say to a friend that you haven't seen in years, oh, we got to get together for lunch. Yes, let's do that. Oh, yeah, okay, well, we'll do that sometime. Bye. And you know as good as they know that that day's never going to come because we haven't, we haven't made it a priority. We, we always say, oh, one of these days, one of these days, one of these days is never going to come. But whatever matters the most, that's what we prioritize and do that. And you see this in Luke's text as he's talking about Mary and Martha. If we're going to have the purest interpretation of this passage of Scripture, what matters? Time with Jesus is what matters. Verse 42, it says, Jesus himself said, there's only one thing. Only one. There's only one thing that is worth being concerned about. And guess what? Mary discovered it. Where was she? She was at the feet of Jesus. She was spending time with the Lord. He said, There's only, this, is, this is it, Martha. This is the only thing you need to be worried about. This is the only thing that anybody needs to be worried about. Right here, she found it. And it's not going to be taken away from her. Mary has chosen what's better. The problem with us is we're all seeking everything else first. And then we wonder, why don't we have a life that really matters? Why does it feel so empty? You know what really matters in this life? Two things. Two things that are so important is God and people. The time you spend with the Lord and the time you spend investing in people are never moments that are wasted. And it always comes back. I mean, it always brings returns. It's when we work for the Lord and we invest in people, people are so much more important than things. And we got to choose the important over the urgent. So moms, I just want you to know that you're enough. I want you to know that. I want you to embrace that. And we celebrate you today. And so we, we got some special gifts for you uh, as you leave. Hope that you, you and the family grab a, a picture uh, by the photo booth and, and grab your favorite scent of handcrafted artisan goat milk soap, the finest in the land. <laughs> Butch Pulliam asked me, he says, now, now, wait a minute now, I, I'm going to lodge a complaint. Are you saying that my wife is dirty? I'm like, I'm, no, I'm not. No, not at all. Didn't think that went through all the way, but hey, here's some soap. But, uh, but one last thing, and we're going to be dismissed. Uh, with a message like this, I hope that it motivates all of us to think, okay, how can I put some things into practice and do something that will make a difference. Well, we have a mom in our church that we're going to rally around and support. And we're, we want to show her that she's enough. Uh, and what we want to do on this Mother's Day is we're going to show her how much she's loved. Some of you uh, know a member of our church. Her name is Tanya Dekua. Uh, Tanya and her husband, Ferdinand, have been members of our church for several years. I've been in small group with them. Just uh, great members of our church. They have two precious kids. And there's been an awful tragedy. Uh, she was here last Sunday at church. And uh, when she went home, there was a domestic situation. 
and her husband shot her eight times and took his own life. Now she, by the grace of God, she's recovering well. Uh, I've been able to visit her. Members of our visitation team have been able to visit with her. Actually, she and I texted yesterday. It's, I mean, it's, it's truly a miracle. She's expected to make a great recovery. But this is going to be a long road ahead for her and the kids. And she's going to need her church family to help. And we have set up a donation fund in her name uh, for people to give money. And 100% of what we collect is going to go directly to her to help with medical bills and needs for the kids. And just there are going to be things that are going to come up over the next few months that she's going to need. She's going to need help. And this is such a rare situation. I pray that something like this would never happen in our church again. But this is one of those moments when the church has got to be the church. Like this is why we're here. We are the family of God and we step up. And so I'm asking you to be generous. And you guys know me. If you're, if you're visiting today, I'm just going to... It's not very often. It's not very often that I stand here and ask people to be generous. But I'm asking you today. I'm asking you to, not to throw in a couple extra bucks, but to be generous to this family. You can donate in a few ways. If you want to give cash, make sure you put it in an envelope and that you've marked that this is for Tanya. Uh, if you, if you uh, want to uh, give a check, be sure to put in the memo line. This is for Tanya. Otherwise, we have an online option. The info is behind me. You can go on our website. Uh, and you can give, and when you go set that up, there's a fund there. Or you, if you're a texter, you can text Tanya, T-O-N-I-A, to 84321. And uh, we are, all the money is going to go directly to the church. We are not using an organization that takes a cut. So 100%, if you give, if you give $100, $100 is going to go to Tanya and her family. Uh, and it also, the benefit there is, it's tax deductible. So 100% of what you give, it's, it's tax deductible uh, for you. And let me just say this, and I, I want you to hear me. We, we know the statistics, and we know that there are people in this room right now, I mean, just statistics tell us that there are people here right now that you are dealing with some form of domestic abuse at home. That that's a reality. That was a reality in my life. I grew up, I've told you before, I grew up in a home where uh, there was domestic abuse, and it was not pretty. And I want to, I want you to know, you, you should not, absolutely should not go through this alone. Talk to somebody. You've got a church family right here that loves you. You, you are not alone, and you do not have to go through this alone. We have places that you can go. If you're scared to go home, we have a police officer that is here every single Sunday morning. If there's something going on, stop and talk to the police officer. Talk to one of us at the next steps area. There are options. We have safe places for you to go. So, and also, if you're dealing with some trauma or you're working through some anger, you know, maybe domestic abuse has been in your history and that still has a hold on you. Maybe it's confidence issues, whatever. Celebrate Recovery meets here every Friday night. It is a safe place for you to go and to heal and to, to have people around that are supporting you. 
It is not a stigma. It is not, uh, oh, you're one of those people. No, it is a safe place for you to heal from whatever is going on. Do not allow yourself to be in danger. We're here for you. Uh, you're not alone and you've got options. So if you need to talk to somebody about that today, we're going to have staff at the Next Steps area as you leave, or you can see our police officer. Maybe there's something inside you know. I mean, the thing I've thought about all week this week is there are no guarantees in life. None. We, we, we always plan for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever. We make plans. The Bible says that's, that's what the heart of man does. We make plans, but only God knows the number of our days. For some of us, it's time to quit screwing around and pretend like we've got eternity. God has made us this offer in Christ. He said, walk with me. I will forgive all of your sins. I will heal you, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. And we keep rejecting that. We keep showing that maybe someday, but I'm, I'm having too much fun right now. Man, it's it, enough. It's time to be right with the Lord. It's time to be right with God. And so if you need to talk to somebody about that, stop by our Next Steps area. The volunteers, the staff would love to pray with you, and they, they just want to be there for you. Just want you guys to know we love you, and we love Tanya and her family, and we're going to support her, and I'd like to have prayer for her, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you, and I thank you that you're a good God, and that you watch over us, and you, you provide, and, and Lord, you are just, you're involved in our lives. Today, we lift up our sister to you who's been through so much, and yet in the midst of this, she is giving praise and glory to you. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around just how, how much peace that she has today. And I know it can only be because of your spirit. Lord, I'm thankful that you have spared her and that you have spared her children. And I know that the, the road ahead is going to be long. And Father, help us to, to be the, the church family that she needs. Help us to, to mind our own business when we need to mind our own business. And help us to be a support when we need to be a support. Father, thank you for these people uh, that you have brought us together, that even though we're different and we look different, we have different backgrounds, we come together and we're one family united by Christ. Thank you for our moms and how much we treasure them. We ask all this in Jesus' name.